live in front of a national studio audience. It's on Tilt Sports. Featuring cutting-edge gambling analysis of hot college football action for your betting success. Look out now. Here are your hosts, Liam and Clayton. Welcome back to Week 5's preview of the NCAA football slate coming up. Uh, week 4 recap, let you know how we did. Uh, for the record, we did uh, effing fantastic. Uh, Clayton here, though, he's on another planet. Um, just a quick spoiler before we get to how we did in Week 4 formally. Um, this guy's batting 10 one and one in the last two weeks at and the one and one people whoa whoa that is outrageous as we said last week if you're not listening to us you don't like money now with me you just kind of barely might like some money because i'm batting a little better than 500 but i'm gonna lump myself into this collective at the spread picks we are a combined 23 12 and one on the season um on most of those 12 misses but hey that's all right i'll provide the color commentary we'll let clayton do his crystal ball thing uh let's see that sounds we, like we're making money liam let's get it we are man i'm just gonna start piggybacking onto your picks though we'll see how common we are um for the record we don't know each other's picks going into the day so it's possible we pick four of the same games we pick them opposite we pick the same i'm hoping though i'm a lot like clayton this week let's just get to it week four uh last week let's see what happened you know brian kelly passes Newt Rockney for the all-time winningest coach title in Notre Dame history. Did you know that was even a possibility like this season? It seems like Newt Rockney, you hear about this guy, that Brian Kelly should have been there for like 40 years to achieve that. Yeah, I, I did not hear about that before coming into the season. Didn't really think about it. Um, you know, obviously a, a big uh, accomplishment for Brian Kelly, passing the legendary uh, Newt Rockney. Of course, you know, like they were saying on the on the broadcast on the game on Saturday, um, or, or, or actually Brian Kelly acknowledged himself. You know, what's really gonna gonna plant or I guess you know solidify his legacy as winning a national championship. Doesn't have that yet, of course, but hey, he's had a lot of good success at, at that university this past decade or so. Uh, not an easy school to win at. Um, so congrats to Brian Kelly. Good coach. Uh, on that note, if we were just to talk about what Newt Rockney achieved, he was there in like, oh, I don't know. I think it was just during World War One or something. Or something in, like in between yeah. World War II. Uh, <laughs> they played like six to eight games a season. So these are, these are different seasons now. We're playing 12, sometimes a week zero game. You might get 13 in if you're playing Hawaii. Um, you know, back then, that's where the origination of like the, the train story starting that USC rivalry you know, you take the train for like two weeks to play one another. So different times, uh, but not taking away uh, anything away from Brian Kelly. Uh, let's move on to more modern times. Your boy, Dabo, Dabo, whatever, mm. Sweeney. Down goes Clemson again. Your Clemson Tigers are now entering the month of October with a 500 record. And let me wow. ask you this. Um, NC State's kicker, woof, uh, 0 for 3 in regulation. You're a former kicker. What's the deal with college kickers? Man, just uh, c can't handle the pressure, doesn't know how to make an adjustment. First two kicks, yanked them left. The third kick, you know, I was like, man, you got to make some sort of adjustment. Aim, aim right. I don't know, man. But third one, again, yanked it left, just like the first two. Can't make an adjustment in his head. You know, your, your typical college kicker moment. But luckily, his team bailed him out in overtime. Um, they had that miraculous catch in the end zone to go up. And then Clemson, of course, you know, pretty standard to what they've been doing all year. No idea what they're running on that fourth down play. Ran like a fade to, to the corner of the end zone when you, when you had to have it. I mean, not really sure what Clemson's got going on on offense right now, man. 
it's a low percentage play right there in that situation. Ridiculous. Mo- moving on in the SEC, Auburn survives. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I feel like Auburn, no matter who their coach is, no matter what time of day, what venue a game's at, they're going to do this once or twice a season where they survive some scrubby team. And they shouldn't have been bailed out here. I think they were down 12 like in the third or maybe even in the fourth to Georgia State, who, by the way, started playing football in 2008. I'm not talking like moved up to Division One. They legit just like started playing football in 2008. And a late pick six made that game look not even normal, but just acceptable, a 10-point dub after they had gone up one with like two minutes left, got a two-point conversion, and then got a pick six. So uh, if you see that score line, most people might not notice it. Auburn was in real trouble. I don't know what's going on there. What's the deal with Auburn? You know, Auburn, they're just one of those teams. um, Always have a good roster. Always have NFL players, um, offensive line, defense. You know, defensive line is always stacked with NFL guys. They never have a quarterback. And and I know it's hard. There's a few of them out there. They don't grow on trees. You know, Bo Nix is not the guy. I think I might have mentioned last week he has a career under 60% completion percentage. And that's not going to get the job done. He's more of a runner. I mean, even Liam Beckin, like 2000, was it 2013, when they lost to Jameis Winston in Florida State in the national championship, uh, the quarterback's name was Nick Marshall. He wasn't a, he wasn't a runner. He was a thrower as well. Um, he was a former DB, and they they converted him to quarterback. I don't I don't really know how how that worked out, but uh, you know, Gus Malzahn, he got a lot of people made fun of him. They're kind of up and down throughout his tenure there, but like I said, he always had really good defenses, always had a really good roster, just couldn't quite get the right guy under center. Moving on, a couple other big things from week four. Row the boat. What happened? Uh, you were fighting P.J. Flex. University of Minnesota Golden Gophers lost to Bowling Green. Yikes. Held to 10 points, I believe. We did not see that coming. I have their overseason win total at seven. I'm feeling real sketch right now. Uh, did you watch that game? I doubt it. Probably wasn't on TV. Uh- <laughs> no, I don't know if it was on TV. There are much better games on, obviously. No idea, man. I haven't looked into into Minnesota much. I know they they um, shut out Colorado, beat them like thirty to nothing, and then you go home and lose to uh, to Bowling Green. Uh, yeah, not not really sure what's going on up there. Um, fun fun stat. One thing I did learn: Bowling Green's over under for the season was one and a half. They currently have two wins. So if you were on the Bowling Green over, cash that ticket, baby. Wow, cashing that ticket in September. That's outrageous. Uh, Other news, Texas is back. Just kidding. But they did hang (laughs) 70 points on Texas Tech, who was previously 3-0. And with a new starting quarterback in place, um, they're looking all right. You know, the thing about their new starting quarterback, it's weird. I mean, obviously, you know, we have a real life here. and We can't just go watch practice all summer. But, you know, when when, when Sam Ellinger finally was injured or whatever he was out of their bowl game in, in uh, late December or January, um, their, their backup quarterback came in. Oh, man, it's Casey Thompson, I think it is. Yeah, Casey Thompson, the guy who played this past weekend. He freaking tore it up in the bowl game, looked way better than Ellinger. I, I was questioning what was going on the last four years there under Tom Herman. Why wasn't this guy playing? This guy looks way better than Sam Ellinger. Anyways, I was expecting this guy to be the starter. Um, come to week one, uh, Steve, Coach Sark, names Hudson Card the starting quarterback. I, I was shocked, to be honest. Um, from what I heard was that um, – uh, Card looked a lot better in practice, was more consistent, um, just just a better pr- practice player. But um, you know the other guy, you know, once he gets in the game, once once the lights the lights come on, he turns into a different player, uh, and he's been lighting up the scoreboard the last couple of weeks. So they're probably going to stick with him um, this weekend and moving forward. I would imagine. 
Um, but yeah, weird, weird, weird quarterback situation at Texas. They seem to be rolling out the wrong guy, but it looks like they finally found the right one. Uh, more minor news, but uh, apparently Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma, since we're talking about Texas, um, likes to listen to On Tilt Sports because I was giving him flack for his hair last week. And guess what? He got a haircut after my comments. Uh, looking much better. You don't notice some of the bald patches, uh, which was a surprise to me. Uh, his team looking mm, not that great. His team is looking about bald. This. His offense is bald. Yeah, what's going that. on there? Um, great question, man. Um, once again, Spencer Rattler looking looking vastly overrated. Um, flexing on Instagram again today, of course. It's his birthday. Happy 21st birthday, Spence. But uh, get back in the film room, man. Let's go. Get ready to play ball. I don't know, dude. I, who knows? Oklahoma, they won 16 to 13 this, this weekend against, uh, against West Virginia. Usually, usually against West Virginia, it's something like 50, 56 to 53, but now they're playing 16 to 13, man. I, I really don't know what's going on. Offense is inconsistent. Um, defense is looking really good. Um, I heard that their defense is, you know, the best th- that they've had in a long time this year. And that's, that's looking true to form, but I really don't know what, what's going on with the offense. It's, uh, it's really puzzling right now. That was the anti-Big 12 game. By the way, is that 16, like a 9-7, and seven, three field goals, and one tutty 16, or is that like some weird safety bullshit? Great question. I'd have to go back and look at the box score. I didn't watch the, all of that game. I know they did score a touchdown in the very beginning. They went up 7 nothing pretty quick and went moved on to score, what, eight points after that, nine points after that, so... That's pretty rough yeah, for a Big 12 goals. game. That's not what you expect. And uh, hey, maybe West 12, Virginia, right. yeah, maybe West Virginia has a defense for the first time. That is possible. Uh, yeah. And the last thing I want to leave with from week four is what the hell's with all these neutral site stadium games? I hate it. And that might be an unpopular take. I don't want to see games at Soldier Field. I don't want to see games in Yankee Stadium. I don't want to see games at the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. I, I just <laughs> I want the home crowd. It takes an element of that away. Being on campus is something special. If you're a school that has your stadium on campus, which most of you do, uh, I hate it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, you know, a lot of it is Notre Dame. You know, they they like to play their their. They had like a what do they call it? The Shamrock Series. They had one of those games um, this weekend in in, in Chicago. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love the games on campus. Um, I know Florida, Georgia, they do their rivalry, the um, what is it, the the largest outdoor cocktail party, whatever they call it. They do that in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wish that would would be played on campus as well. I think that'd be so cool. Um, yeah, and even even like the um, uh, um, Labor Day weekend, the opening weekend of, of of the season. You know, they play a lot of neutral sites game, neutral site games. Alabama plays in Atlanta every year. I, I would love those games to see being played at, at the schools as well and on campus. It'd be a lot more. Fun. Also, mega mega donor Jerry Jones loves to have Arkansas be the home team uh, for one time. Uh, that was each another season. one. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So for whatever reason, it happens in week four. I guess they got to spice up the end of September. Uh, but I think you wanted to talk a little bit about Arkansas. Yes. Um, so far this season, I would say Arkansas has been the team of September and the story of the season so far. They, they've already smacked Texas pretty good. Uh, they beat Texas A&M last week. Um, so it looks like Arkansas is the king of Texas right now. Um, kind of funny that they won that game in, uh, in Jerry's world in Dallas as well. Um, so yeah, man, Woo Pig, excited about the Hogs and, and Sam Pittman. Looks like he has, has the, boys, the boys flying around right now. Absolutely. Anything else from week four you want to touch on before we get into how we actually did? Um, yeah, man. So kind of, you know, this is kind of part of the season after this past weekend, I feel like all like the, the preseason hype, um, you know, like the, uh, 
what's what's the word I'm looking for? Just I guess like the 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 reputation of these certain programs, reputations of certain players, coaches, all that starting to wear off a little bit. You know, Oklahoma's a perfect example. You know, they're known for scoring 40, 50 points a game. They just won a game scoring 16 points this past weekend. So, you know, a, a lot of what what we've seen the last couple of years is kind of out the window right now. And we're really starting to see who these teams really are. Um, and a lot of that, you know, just historic um, tradition that the, these these teams have and stuff that players did in previous years is kind of going out the window and we're really starting to see who they are and and you know really the the betting lines are starting to show who these teams are and not just you know the history of the program yeah so for the average better out there which is everybody for the most part or they're subpar uh but in general what you can do now is actually take information that you've seen play out in live time assuming you've watched you know at least two or three of these past weekends and actually apply some of that theoretical knowledge to what you think is going to happen in the game. And then guess what? It's going to go the complete opposite way because that's how it tends to go. But at least you have some sense now. Like the, the AP Top 25 preseason poll is ridiculous. Out the uh, these, people, these people are voting on teams that are not the teams of yesteryear. You can do that in the NFL where you have a roster that carries over. Yeah, you have some freshmen become sophomores and this and that. But these are college kids. This is different. So the AP Top 25, actually, on our next pod, I'm going to pull up what the preseason poll was versus what it looks like today. You'll see how radically different it is. I will tell you again, USC's not in it, and they didn't receive a vote, and they shouldn't because they suck this year. And yeah, some things have happened, but they weren't going to do much better under their previous coach. And what were they, preseason, I don't know, 16, something like that? And I can name five to seven other examples just like that. And the same goes for people who were not even receiving one vote who are now in the top 15, top 12. That's how it works. So really, this our, our gauge on these teams shouldn't come out until, I'd say, at least two weeks in, but more preferably right about now. Because guess how high people were on Clemson? How they looking right now? I can see them losing one or two more easily, where after week one, you give them a pass because it was Georgia and their defense is generational. But, you know, NC State's solid. They're, they're not going to – they're not world enders. They're not going to be in the CFP. And there's a little bit of some toughness still ahead for them. UNC. Everybody was so high on them coming into the season, number 10 to start. Where are they right now? Um, I believe last week they kind of got waxed, yeah? Uh, yeah, they lost to Georgia Tech. Wow. Ooh, the rambling wreck. That's a school you had made fun of, by the way. And for the record, it was 45-22. to 22. They doubled them up. Yes. That's awful. What happened to the hype? What happened, Mac Brown? Crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know a ton about the Tar Heels. I kind of tuned them out after their their awful performance at, at Virginia Tech. Um, and this was another another game on the road. They, they look terrible in, um, you know, it's interesting. The, the week before this past week, Clemson played Georgia Tech real close. I mean, Clemson's been playing playing everyone close. Don't get me wrong. They, Clemson <laughs> beat them four, 14 to eight. Um, but looks like Georgia Tech is pretty good, man. And I actually have them um, in, in, in one of my picks this week. So. I'm excited wow. about them. And one Can't more thing I will add, you know, as, as we're talking about, like we're seeing, starting to see these teams for who they are, you know, October is always my favorite month of the year to bet. Cause like yep. I said, in, in September, it's all about preseason hype, what you did last year, the year before and all that. Now, now October, we're really starting to see who these teams are and you can really find some lines that, that still haven't been adjusted to, to where the teams are now. And then once we get to November, you know, then we, we really know what the teams are. We, they played a bunch of games, you know, the records and the lines really start, start to kind of adjust from there. So October is a good month. We're moving into the best time of the year. Uh, October is the best month of the year for football, especially college football. I cannot wait to see it. Uh, let's recap real quick. Week four's picks. I'm just going to be straight up quick with mine because I'm not happy with those. I took NC State plus 10. Uh, that was a lock. 
Rutgers plus 18 and a half. Uh, they held off um, not covering that against Michigan. Got it close at one point. It was about a seven-point game, I think, in the third after being down 21-7 going into the half. Uh, Arkansas plus five and a half. Easy winner. I think they won that game by 10 points. Um, so, again, a dog winning outright. Those are what I'm proud of. Wisconsin, not proud of. I, I don't know why I keep going back to Wisconsin. Their quarterback, I'm going to stop mentioning him by name. He keeps hurting me. Um, <laughs> Paul Christ, I don't know what's going on there. Now, if you didn't watch it and you saw the scoreline, you'd imagine Notre Dame blew the doors off them. That was not the case. Wisconsin was up three points in the fourth quarter before a kick return for a touchdown. Uh, so really, me trying to, and I think I said, they're probably going to win by exactly six points. It was right there for me. But then sports betting rips your heart out. I think they lost that game by 20 plus. Um, Kansas, plus 16 points. Uh, that was frustrating. They were playing uh, David Cutcliffe's fighting Duke Blue Devils uh, down at Duke University. And great basketball game, by the way. <laughs> great basketball game. It felt like one. Uh, I have a bone to pick with the Kansas quarterback, though. I threw that puppy on with three minutes left. They had the ball. I'm like, all right, garbage time touchdown. Here we go. Liam's going to get a cover. And their QBs, you know, slowly but surely getting a few first downs, clock stopping. They get the ball down. And, and granted, they should have scored previously. They went uh, turnover on downs on a fourth and goal from the three. Uh, some just bonehead call, play calling, but get the ball back. Here's your bailout. And the quarterback at the 15 yard line uh, takes the last snap of the game and he rolls out right. And I'm like, all right, man, find somebody. These fourth stringers are tired in there in a six, you know, an 18 point game right now. And this fucker just rolls out of bounds. Doesn't even try to throw a pass. Doesn't want to risk getting an interception on his stats. So I blame him uh, for that. Not happy about that. And one of my worst picks uh, in a while was Kansas State plus six against Oklahoma State. Uh, they, they got smashed. So uh, I disappointed everybody. I went three and three, 500. But any weekend is a good weekend if you have a little bit of a rush and you get your money back and you're breaking even. Clayton, on the other hand, made some cash. Tell us about it. Yes, sir. Another big weekend for me. I was five and one. Um, over the last two weekends, I'm 10, one and one. So feeling pretty good right now. Uh, a couple weekends ago, I felt great about my picks. I uh, went uh, five, one and one or yeah. And then five, uh, and this yeah, the, the, five, oh, and one. Thank you. This past weekend didn't feel that great, but still went five and one. So I'm, I guess I'm feeling it right now, man. I don't know. But uh, anyways, uh, this past Saturday, I had West Virginia plus 16 and a half at Oklahoma. Easy win. Um, I had Wake Forest uh, played at Virginia. Uh, that was a win for them. They were underdog. They won out right there. Uh, we both had um, NC State plus 10 against Clemson. They won outright. And we both took that as as our long shot for the weekend as well at plus 300. Outright That's right, winner. we did. Yes, sir. Um, I also had Western Michigan. Um, they smacked uh, San Jose State at home. Once again, um, just kind of a... <laughs> Kind of a weird situation for San Jose State. Last week, they had to travel to Hawaii. They had to fly three hours west. This past weekend, they had to go to Michigan, fly you know three-hour time dis- difference east this time. That's just that's just too much too much of a time difference. Those players were all messed up. They got whacked. Um, and then uh, I won USC, the Oregon State, over 63-and-a-half. Kind of the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. I was expecting you know Jackson Dart and USC to put it on the beeves. Unfortunately, Jackson got hurt. He wasn't available, and Oregon State ended up putting it on your Trojans, Liam, unfortunately. Uh, but thank you to them. They got me the over. And then um, the one game I lost was Tulsa. Um, I had them minus 14 versus Arkansas State. Uh, they won by seven or eight, I believe. Uh, so that was my one loss in the week. You know why you lost that, right? Tell me. 
I looked at it on the line and I thought about it long <laughs> and hard and I jinxed you, man. I'm sorry. I threw it off. I'll blame uh, it on you. Yeah. You can. You're more than welcome to. Uh, some of the most fun you can have, whether winning or losing, but hopefully winning or at least breaking even, is sometimes some of those bad beats uh, or some of those fantastic wins. Uh, my buddies and I, including Clayton, were recapping some of the best times we've had in the sports book or, you know, best times we've had just uh, at home on the couch when we had some money riding on a game. Uh, and some of the most inconsequential outcomes, the late score, down 20 points, that can do it for you, and those feel amazing. Uh, the gamesmanship that takes place between the coaches when a game's out of hand, but still they have some pride. Uh, it's good stuff, so I'm hoping we get uh, some good sweats here. I feel like lately it's been pretty out of hand either way. When we're right, we're really right. When I'm wrong, I'm really wrong. Uh, so let's dive into the Week 5 picks. Clayton, kick it off with three picks at the spread or over-unders, please. Yes, sir. Here we go. So um, first pick, I'm going to go to one of the one of the bigger games of the weekend. You know, maybe 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 the biggest game of the weekend. Um, Notre Dame is hosting Cincinnati. Uh, Notre Dame is currently plus one point five. Give me the Irish, man. Uh, they're at home. Underdogs at home against a group of five team. I, I know Cincinnati has looked real good. They are coming off a bye. Um, they did look kind of shaky against Indiana beginning of that game. Um, that did not make me feel comfortable. Uh, Indiana, in classic Indiana fashion, kind of blew it, and Cincinnati ended up running away with a 14-point win. I believe they covered the spread there. But um, you know, no- Notre Dame is is finding a way to win. You know, a lot of they were under big underdogs against Wisconsin. They pulled that out. Um, I just I, I really trust trust the Irish here. I trust Brian Kelly. I trust their their uh, their offensive line against against a, you know a kind of a, a lesser opponent in Cincinnati. Um, and I trust their defense to to be just just good enough to to pull out the win at home. Um, you know the spread's only w- plus one and a half. You know might as well take Notre Dame uh, on the money line. But hey, in case uh, case Cincy pulls out a one point win, give me the plus one point five. All right, uh, second game. Um, so I I've told you this earlier, Liam. Kind of nervous. I am picking a few road teams this week. I don't like taking teams on the road. Um, you know, just just shit hits the fan when, when college kids goes go on the road. You know, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. You never know what's going on. But give me Texas minus five and a half at TCU. Uh, TCU coming off a bad loss against SMU. Uh, you know, in-state opponent. I'm sure a lot of the kids knew each other, but they gave up way too many points to SMU. Uh, defense not looking good. And Texas, like you mentioned earlier, Liam, just hung 70 on Texas Tech. Um, offense is humming. Quarterback is playing good. Um, I'm taking Texas to cover just because TCU is, I just don't see them scoring that many points. I think it's a pretty easy win. Um, and the third one, you know, I, I'm going to kind of bring this back to to what I was talking about earlier in, you know, kind of the, the preseason hype has worn off. Like, we know who these teams are now. But y- y- I know you can agree with me here, Liam. Whenever you see a line in Vegas and, and you think it's wrong and you think that this team is just, just automatically going to cover the spread – there's usually a reason why the line is there, but Michigan is playing at Wisconsin. Again, another road team. Michigan is going to Wisconsin. Wisconsin is favored by two points. And my question to Vegas or who's making the lines is, have you guys watched Wisconsin? Have you seen their offense? Do you know who their quarterback is? I just, I just don't see, I don't see how, how they're going to beat Michigan, whether it's at home on the road, neutral site. Uh, Just give me the Wolverines. Wolverines are getting two points here. Um, give me Michigan plus two. Big fan of creepy Jim Harbaugh over there, huh? 
Uh, I am not a fan of big creepy Jim Harbaugh. He does give me the creeps, but um, they've been playing well so far, surprisingly. But hey, this could be the game where shit hits the fan and they start looking like Michigan again. We'll see. Oh man, I I don't like to do this, but I'm gonna have to mess up our overall record because I'm gonna tell you what one of us is gonna be right and one of us is gonna be wrong on two of these. I am opposite Clayton here. Hit me. Let's go straight to the first one. As you said, Cincinnati favored one and a half points at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, and, and you pointed out ad- accurately that Cincinnati's coming off a bye. By the way, fun fact, this is the first of like, I think it's five consecutive games for Notre Dame where their opponent has a bye before the game. I actually heard that on the broadcast over the weekend. That is ridiculous, man. That just that just comes with being the coach at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly. You know, you're just you're, you're a marquee program. Everyone gears up to beat you. Yeah. Speaking of being the coach at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, formerly Cincinnati Bearcats coach. I don't want to hear any of these pundits that I did hear saying, oh, you know, he has familiarity with the program. That's an advantage. That was in 2009. Jeez. That was in 2000. That was 10 years before COVID-19 was a fucking thing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so that's not going to play a factor here. Uh, you are correct. Cincinnati looking kind of sloppy uh, the previous week, uh, went into their bye week. Um, but they did show some heart. They did show some resiliency coming back down 14 on the road at Indiana. Indiana, a, you know, decently, moderately, I don't even want to say difficult, kind of challenging place to play here and there, especially when they've been up and they've been up in recent years. Desmond Ritter. He looks solid. Uh, I know offense wasn't as efficient as it should have been in that game, especially in the first half, but he put it together. And Luke Fickle, he's a good coach. X's and O's, he can put it together. Uh, By the way, Notre Dame's starting quarterback, uh, was he limping at the previous game, got taken out, I think, in the uh, third quarter. Uh, Good, good. The guy who replaced him with looked looked really good and maybe looked better, so I'm fine with it. (laughs) He did, and and that has been a trend this season for us. But I'm just going to go that – in a game that's going to be challenging uh, against an opponent that is worthy in this case, not that Wisconsin was not worthy whatsoever, um, one of the biggest battles is not just going to be what happens with that quarterback position, but it's going to be in the trenches. And it's weird to say a power or a group of five team in Cincinnati, at least right now, group of five before they go to the Big 12, has a really solid D line. And Notre Dame, for the first time in like eight years, has not a really solid offensive line. So when you have a young quarterback, you have the D-line crashing in on him, I think he's going to make some mistakes. It does look weird, Cincinnati being favored at Notre Dame Stadium. Insane. Give me the Bearcats. Minus one and a five, or one and a half, uh, I think they win this by seven plus, actually. So we dispute there. We also dispute Wisconsin-Michigan. Now, You're not taking Wisconsin again. Come on, man. Hear me out. I'm going to do it until I'm right. It's going to happen. <laughs> Wisconsin is favored by one and a half. This is the theme of one and a half point games, and you could not be more right. I looked at the line and I said, how on earth is that it? But that is the line. Now, Wisconsin is actually at home. This game is not being played at Soldier Field or any other neutral type professional NFL stadium or Ireland or wherever the heck else Notre Dame tends to play. Wisconsin at home against Michigan. Michigan, in a weird way, is worse than I thought they would be in like appearance, even though they are undefeated. Um, I, I feel like they're not actually living up to the eye test. None of the eye test only goes so far. I don't know if they're gonna get Graham Mertz out of there or what have you, but I just am not a believer in Michigan. And I've been thinking that the last few weeks and they keep just you know winning and sometimes winning handily against teams they should. Uh, this is one of those things that we said on our AP top 25, which is stupid, preseason episode. When a line looks so out of whack, Go against your gut. So give me 
Graham Mertz in Wisconsin to hurt me again, minus one and a half. Those are our two disagreements so far. Two for three, that's quick. Northwestern versus Nebraska. I am going to take Northwestern. They are playing the game at Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, Nebraska is an 11 and a half point favorite. That just doesn't feel right. I don't care how bad Northwestern has looked so far. They have an incredible coach who can get more out of his players than I think just about anybody else in America. And his players are not good. Like in terms of just quality star rating and whatnot, um, he has to do that. He has to make lemonade out of lemons. And Pat Fitzgerald is that guy. I think he's going to figure it out. Uh, Actually, Nebraska's bounced back the last couple weeks. After week one, when they lost to Illinois, we thought they were done. Their season was going to be toast. Uh, Scott Frost, a little bit of credit to him. I hate to say it, but a little bit of credit. Uh, You know, they hung tough against Oklahoma. Uh, They've looked okay. But I just feel like that's all setting up for a massive disappointment. Northwestern's going to go in there, well coached. They're going to execute. Nebraska's going to turn the ball over three times. And Northwestern is going to not lose by more than 11 and a half points. I like it. Like the pick. Too too many points. I think it's going to be close. Let's hear right. three. Um, where do I want to go next? Oh, here we go. I'm going to go to Arkansas at Georgia. Oh no. Yes, sir. <laughs> what are you doing? Give me the give me the fighting Sam Pittman Arkansas Raiders. Oh my god. Woo pig plus eighteen and a half at Georgia. L- like we said earlier, people, Arkansas has been the team of of, of the season so far. No one thought they were going to beat Texas, whacked them. No one thought they were going to beat Texas A&M. Well, a few more people thought they might have did, might have beat A&M. I don't know if they really believed it. They beat A&M. And, hey, look, I, I'm not saying they're going to, going to win at Georgia. Absolutely not. But both defenses are really good. Arkansas plays, you know, just kind of a, a very um, – Safe, just too deep coverage. Two safeties are always deep. They're not going to get beat over the top. They're going to make you run, you know, run long drives to get a touchdown. Five yards here, six yards there. So I think they're they're going to bleed a lot of clock. It's going to be fairly fairly lowish scoring. I just see eighteen and a half points a little bit too much for you know two top dogs in the SEC right now playing a conference game. And you know, man, I've mentioned it before. You know how Kirby Smart gets in these uh, in these close ga- or in these uh, these big matchups. You know, heavy hitters. He plays it safe. Plays it conservative. I don't see them winning by more than, you know, 10, maybe 14 points. I mean, I would let you do three, but I feel like I just have to jump in. Let's go. Jump in. Give me Kirby Smart. Give me Georgia to win this game by three or more touchdowns. The University of Georgia has JT Daniels back at the helm. Apparently, we'll see. And I will say, I will say, there is a bad stat about him playing top 25 opponents, which Arkansas certainly is. JT Daniels, uh, excluding a game against like a scrubby number 25. Uh, I don't even remember who it was, but back in the day, back in the day, as old as these college kids can get, uh, he threw like, um, you know, three touchdowns against that team who really didn't deserve to be in the top 25. Outside of that, I think he's played, I don't know, five games against top 25 opponents where he's the starter and he's like six touchdowns, eight picks. So JT Daniels does not have a good record doing this. And again, this is a little bit of the Okay, look at Arkansas. Look what they just did to AM, who's kind of a pretender. I mean, let's be honest. They're a pretender. But, yeah. yeah, but realistically, Arkansas looks good. Uh, their quarterback, yeah, he is uh, dynamic. He was also hobbled in that game. He was. Uh, he was. He that does make is, me nervous. <laughs> and that's critical for their offense to run. By the way, if you watch that game that Arkansas played against AM, they had like two or three massive, massive plays that led immediately to points, if not 
directly to points. I think one of them was like a 70 yard pass that he made. He rolled out to the right and hit the sky in stride right before half. So if he's not a hundred percent, if he's even like 70% and he's going against UGA's defense, also they're in Athens, they're between the hedges. Give me them minus 18 and a half. So there we go. We disagree on three so far. What is your fifth pick? I love it. I love it. Also I'll throw out there Georgia, their last three games. I know they've lit up the scoreboard. They played UAB, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. So I don't want to hear here, it. Here comes a real SEC team. Hey, I can't wait to watch it. We'll see how it goes. Yep. All right. Um, my fifth pick, um, I'm going to go to Georgia Tech at home against Pittsburgh. Georgia Tech is getting three and a half points. They are underdogs plus 3.5. Give, give me the Yellow Jackets. Uh, Pitt's defense is not good. They've been giving up a lot of points. Gave up a ton of points to Western Michigan. Uh, Georgia Tech it just beat North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina has a supposed supposed to be fly highing offense. Um, you know they, they held held them in check last weekend. They're at home again uh, down there in Atlanta. Um, so I, I like I like the, the momentum that the that the Yellow Jackets are running right now. Pitt I, I don't always trust Pitt. You never know with them, um, especially on the road. So give me uh, the Jackets plus three and a half. All right, uh, last game my number six pick. I think this is my favorite pick of the weekend. I'm going to go back to a game that we've actually already talked about. You and I both have it in our picks. This is uh, this is a Clayton uh, degenerate special pick for you. Give me Wisconsin, Michigan, under 21 and a half, first half, baby. That, that's an absolute lock city, dude. There is no way that either of those teams are going to score – it, more more than a couple touchdowns in the first half. But Wisconsin, they can't score. Graham Mertz can't hit a wide open receiver to save his life. Um, Wisconsin's defense is outstanding. Their run defense is, is amazing. Uh, I don't trust Michigan in the pass game that much. Um, so give me the under 21 and a half first half, Wisconsin, Michigan. Kate McNamara is going to make some mistakes for Michigan, and there might be a pick six involved. There might be a fumble six. It might get close to getting over those 21 and a half points, but. I think that's a fantastic pick, honestly. I do not see that game going higher than that. If it does, uh, I just don't even know what to do anymore. Uh, I'm going to move <laughs> on to my fifth pick here. Uh, we're going to p- talk about a team that also hit earlier in the season on our shot pick. Again, a shot pick being plus 300 money line or better. Outright dog Fresno State defeating UCLA in that game. Also a really interesting game. UCLA, Pac-12 after dark, playing against Arizona State. That very well likely determines the South or at least puts somebody in the driver's seat. Uh, of the Pac-12 to see who's going to play Oregon uh, in that game. But uh, give me Fresno State traveling. By the way, it's not three hours west of Hawaii from here. It is five hours, 15 minutes. So uh, with the team I you met, were talking about. I meant about, the time please. difference. You're right. Time oh, difference. okay. Okay. I got to give <laughs> yeah. you some credit. Yeah, you're, you're up on this stuff. You, you study geography. Uh, Fresno State going to Hawaii. Uh Favored by 10.5 points, Fresno State Bulldogs. Now, if you had heard that after the UCLA game, or even after the Oregon game where they hung tight, you'd think, no problem. Common opponent, Fresno State beats UCLA. Hawaii loses by, like, 40. Uh, So there's that. Now, Hawaii will be at home. The only threat to Fresno State covering minus 10.5 points is some of these players escaping their hotel rooms, getting out past curfew, having too many Mai Tais. Um, That's the only thing that's going to jeopardize this. Uh, just getting distracted with that Hawaii road trip. Because let's be real, they're not much to do in Fresno. Uh, so Fresno State, minus 10.5, feeling real good there, unless the coach is not really up on his hotel checks. Uh, and for my sixth and final game, I'm going to throw out a stat here. Chris 
Kleiman, for anybody who knows him, Uh-oh. he's Kansas State's coach. He is 2-0 against Lincoln Riley in his career. Uh, and Kansas State is catching 10.5 points. Uh, they are getting 10.5 points at home in the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, against Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma's been broken. This could be their get-right game, as people say. This could be where they finally put it together. We're still waiting for Clemson's get-right game, but I don't think it's coming. And I don't think it's coming for Spencer Rattler and the Sooners here. Give me Kansas State to cover, well, not cover, to not lose by more than 10.5 points right here. Uh, It's going to be close. It's going to be 6, it's going to be 7, it's going to be 8. Hell, they might even win. Who knows? I'm going to go to you for your shot, then I'm going to come back to me for my shot. All right. Uh, I, I like that pick. Um, you know, you mentioned that this might be the, the get right game for Oklahoma, just like it might be for Clemson. We've been hearing that for the last couple of weeks and things keep getting worse. So I, I like that pick, uh, ride that momentum of Oklahoma, not looking good, all good. And also I love that you mentioned uh, Fresno State's biggest obstacle coming up this weekend. I was thinking that exact same thing right before you said it. I was hoping you were going to say it. Let's be honest. Their biggest obstacle is the kids partying all night on the beach in Hawaii. That, that's really it. Other than that, they should handle business out there in Honolulu. All right. Um, for the shot. So uh, I know you mentioned uh, you know, first episode. We talked about this. Doesn't have to be you know one particular uh, underdog. We can do like a little parlay. I did not find you know one particular underdog that was plus 300 or better that, that I really liked. So I mixed in a little parlay here. Uh, one team I have in there, I already picked um, for, for my other picks. I have a new team in there as well. All right. Uh, give me Georgia Tech money line against Pittsburgh at home. It's plus 145 right now. Uh, like I said, um, Yellow Jackets have some good momentum going. I don't trust Pitt on the road. Um, and then also give me Syracuse on the money line at Florida State. Now they, they are going down to Tallahassee. I don't I don't love northern teams going down to Florida playing in that humidity. Um, that's not my favorite thing. But Florida State has been awful. I'm just riding I'm riding their awful momentum right now. Um, I don't see you know a, a lot of, of effort or buying from their players right now. That that's been their issue really since the end of Jimbo's era up until now. Really just a lot of ego at that school. A lot of players feeling entitled. No one really working hard. They lost to Jacksonville State on that Hail Mary, on that awful you know, defensive play at the end of the game there a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Like, what the hell was that? So they're 0-4 right now. I don't know the last time they were 0-4. I can just see them kind of being checked out for the season. Um, so give me Syracuse plus 180. Georgia Tech is plus 145. Parlay those together. I believe it comes out roughly plus 585 or so. Whoa. So, uh, You're trying to get our listeners – Paid, my man. Uh, I'll tell you the last time, by the way, Florida State was 0-4. Do you have any guesses? Oh, man. Pre-Bobby Bowden? Uh, Pre-Bobby Bowden by two years. Okay, so in the 70s then, right? In the 70s. Are you still feeling okay about what Mike Norvell's building down there in Tallahassee? Ah, uh, man. It's... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still willing to give him another year after this year. Maybe even no, nah, I'd, I'd say give him one more year to like get establish a better culture, get you know as as the players that he recruits as they get a little bit older, get bigger in the weight room, get ready to play. We'll see what those guys look like. Maybe he can get some some transfers to come in there uh, from the transfer portal this offseason, kind of trim some of the fat and trim some of the some of the bad culture players out of the program. But I'm willing to give him one more year. All right, fair enough. And you do need to give a coach a fair shake. But man, I'm telling you, if they're like one and eight. 
and I'm a Florida State fan, that's rough. He, he better get right next season, at least be like yeah. eight and four, seven and five at the minimum. Uh, speaking of taking outright dogs, uh, I am not going to do a parlay as I have been known to do in the past. I was 0 for 1 on my shot pick when it was a parlay. I am 2 and 0 when I am taking double digit dogs outright to win. So, with that said, why don't I take the fighting Pat Fitzgeralds plus 335? For those who don't know and weren't listening to me 10 minutes ago, that is the Northwestern Wildcats to defeat the Nebraska Cornhusters. It's going to happen. They are 11 and a half point dogs. They are going to win outright. Again, plus 335. You lay down 100 bucks. You can take 335 home with you. Um, Yeah, I I just, there's too much good coaching there. There's too much question mark in Omaha right now. I'm sorry. I always want to say Omaha. I'm Lincoln. There's two cities in Nebraska as far as I'm concerned, and I can't get it straight. Um, But before we round out, um, I have a couple things for you. Number one. We are opposites, what was it, on three of our six picks? Is that correct? Uh, let me see. Wisconsin, Michigan, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, and Arkansas, Georgia. Yes, sir. That's correct. All right, so for the season tally, because we only introduced uh, a shot in a six-pack, uh, I believe in week two, Clayton is 3-0. and oh. uh, So he has three, or he is, well, we pushed. He won the carryover skin, if you will, for those golfers out there. And he won last week because he is just on fire. So he is 3-0. and oh. We are opposite on three games this weekend because, well, I'm a degen. Clayton, would you like to wager two season-long points on just these three games and whoever does better? I'm down. Let's do it. Let's Lock do it. it. Lock it up. Uh, Lock and it. that will be in addition. So up to you. We can make it worth three, but obviously I'm behind, so you know, beggars can't be choosers. Or we can make that worth one, and we can make whoever does better on the week just as we normally would worth one, so therefore the winner would likely get two. Does that sound better to you? Um, let's, let's do the latter. I like that one. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Obviously if I'm down like seven weeks to zero, I'm going to be like, yeah, man, let's make this worth eight. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm totally good with that. Again, Wisconsin, like Michigan, that's going to be a Fox big noon kickoff. Uh, the Fox, uh, equivalent of college game day is headed up to Madison. Uh, probably one of the three to five greatest environments in all of college football. Uh, Northwestern game is where we just, dis- or not Northwestern. I'm sorry. UGA and Arkansas, uh, SEC battle right there. And Cincinnati going to Notre Dame actually being a favorite. That should be very, very interesting. Uh, Anything else from week four, by the way, uh, that you'd like to hit on? I know we were talking about, was there an incident with an Ohio State player? What was that about? (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, Ohio State linebacker Kavon Pope um, was uh, trotting back onto the field to go back in the game, was waved off the field by, by another linebacker that was already out there. Uh, Kevon Pope didn't like that, obviously uh, not happy with the coaches. So he proceeded to walk off the field on his way off the field, took off his jersey, took off his gloves, threw him into the stands, uh, then proceeded to tweet, fuck Ohio State. Of course, he spelled fuck with two C's because he's trendy. Um, And now he is dismissed from the team and in the transfer portal. So uh, whoever picks up Kevon Pope is clearly getting a guy with high character Seems like a good culture guy, so good luck to whoever wants to bring him in. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really all I got for week week four last week. Um, one more game I do want to mention for week five um, upcoming this Saturday, and actually the game that I'm most excited to watch that we have not mentioned yet. I can't believe we haven't mentioned it. Uh, the Ole Miss Rebels and Matt Corral are playing Ooh. at 
uh, Alabama uh, in, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, the over-under, I mean, this was one of my – initially, I thought this was going to be one of my locks, but I, I just – I'm hesitant. It's so high. You know, Nick, Coach, Nick, Coach Nick knows that Ole Miss is going to want to run it up. I don't know if he's going to find a way to slow it down or if he's just going to try to outrun them. I don't really know what's going to happen. The over-under is 79 and a half right now. That's ridiculous, but I still might take it. I could see it being in, in the 120 range, to be honest. Uh, but I, I just can't wait to watch these two offenses. Can't wait to watch these two quarterbacks, uh, both both Southern California guys uh, playing quarterback for these schools. Both are, are, are super athletic, can chuck it around. Both should be should be in the Heisman conversation. I just can't wait to watch this game, man. It's going to be such good players, high-flying offense, two great coaches. Uh, that is the uh, 3.30 game on CBS. Love me some, some Gary Danielson, uh, some Vern Lundquist. I'm all about that. Um, also, you mentioned the the uh, Fox uh, big new kickoff. I love me some Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. They do a great job as well. So, absolutely. To watch for. And you know what? We would be remiss if we didn't do our listeners the duty of telling them what you should be watching. So let's set you up for your day. If you're in the West, in the Mountain, or in the Central, your morning games are going to be as follows. You're going to look at Arkansas, Georgia. That's going to be a 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 o'clock Eastern. You'll probably wow. also check out that big noon kickoff, Michigan, Wisconsin. Why would you not do that? And then you got this kind of odd one. Uh, you, you got an 1130 Pacific or a 230 Eastern kickoff. That's Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Then you know what? Not so fast. Look out for the fighting Greg Schiano's taking on Ohio State. Rutgers is at home. That place is just this weird Bermuda Triangle of good teams going there and not performing. Also, I think quarterback controversy at Ohio State. Are they benching C.J. Stroud, Clayton? You know what? That's a great question. I have not looked into that. Um, I should. And I know uh, you're calling I, for it. I know. I was calling for it. C.J. Stroud is not the guy. I know he did not play this past Saturday, but it was against one of the worst teams in FBS and Akron. So obviously we, we don't really know what the deal is there, but I, I still w- would like to see them trust somebody else out there because, you know, like I've been telling you guys, C.J. Stroud, the ball looks heavy. He's got heavy feet. He looks scared. And for a little for a little bit of context, you know, for some extremes, Aaron Rodgers is a guy where the ball looks light in his hand. Looks like he's throwing a tennis ball or a ping pong ball out there. Uh, vice versa, you know, Cam Newton, he looks like he's throwing a bowling ball. It just looks heavy. I'm not saying that C.J. Stroud is as bad of a thrower as Cam Newton, but the, the ball looks pretty heavy in his hand, and he just doesn't look comfortable. That's crazy to hear. I get where you're coming from, but you're just like, oh, no, don't don't worry. He's not looking like as poor as Cam Newton, Heisman winner <laughs> and Super Bowl contender. <laughs> hey, if, if, he, if he was 6'6", six, six, like 250 and an absolute beast like Cam was and he could run the ball like a fullback, then he could do something. But he, he doesn't run the ball either, so he's not bringing anything to the table. All right, let's set up the rest of your day as you're getting a nice buzz on, uh, as you're on that fifth bud heavy of the morning or afternoon. You're going to tune into CBS, like Clayton said. You're going to watch that Ole Miss-Alabama game. Matt Corral uh, trolling Lane Kiffin. Look out for that. Over-under is ridiculous. Uh, if you like points, that should be a great game for that. And as the afternoon develops, you might check in on Mississippi State, Texas A&M, but I don't know why you would. The, the fact that Texas A&M is ranked number 15 is atrocious. They should have dropped out of this top 25. They're only in it because they started so high in it. Yep. Uh, and in the totally irrelevant two ranked teams playing one another, afternoon matinee, you got Baylor at number 21, the fighting Dave Arandas. Remember, by the way, he came over from LSU. And number 19, Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, I'm a man. Um, two notable coaches, two teams that – just do not pass the eye test whatsoever. But 
a ranked matchup nonetheless. Uh, let's see what you got for your evening uh, nightcap. Arizona State traveling to the Rose Bowl, 7.30, Pac-12 after dark. And finally, if you want to watch me cash at least one of these bets, 8 o'clock Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern, but 5 o'clock Hawaiian time. You got Fresno State traveling to Hawaii. By the way, Fresno State number 18. Uh, interesting to see where they could end up at season's end within the top 10, you'd imagine, if they were to win out. Uh, so good stuff on tap for week five. Uh, if there's nothing else here, Clayton and I have a little juice riding on our three differences. We also have the uh, regular six-pack uh, competition here. Uh, the only thing I'm good at, apparently, is long shots. I am 2-1 and one on these shots. Clayton is 1-2. and two. He is 10-1-1 one one in the last two weeks at the spread or over-unders. Look out. Uh, it should be tasty this weekend, and uh, we can't wait to watch. <laughs>